Face the challenges of life with God at your side. God is not promising us that we will never, 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 never have problems. <laughs> Bible never does that. It is never promising that we will not face illnesses and sickness and disease. It doesn't say that. Dr. Michael Youssef. But that in the midst of it, God is going to be with us. He's going to walk with us when we call upon Him because our very breath is in His hands. He's in control of our very breath. And He promised never to leave us nor forsake us until He takes us all the way home. And when we see Him face to face, our troubles are going to be over. Welcome to Leading the Way with local pastor and the author of more than 50 challenging and encouraging books, Dr. Michael Youssef. Look at the men and women in the Old and New Testament. Their faith experiences were never easy. So what about you? Do you find life situations easy? I'm pretty sure nobody's saying yes right now. You may recall this saying, life is what happens when you're making other plans. <laughs> well, today, Dr. Youssef opens the Bible to Psalm 121 for words from God that will lift you above today's clouded circumstances and bring into focus how God holds you in His hands. So if you need a little encouragement, turn up the volume as Dr. Michael Youssef begins. Psalm 121 teaches us how to cry to God, and it shows us how sometimes when we cry to God to just get us out of whatever mess we're in and that pressure cooker of life, but he cries to God differently. When he, the psalmist, cries to God, he is praying in confidence in the Lord. He's crying to Him with a total trust in the Lord. He cries to Him with an absolute assurance in the character of God and who He is, and it is a faith in the sovereignty of God and that the God is in control. Sometimes the way we pray reminds me of a story that Vance Havner, the old evangelist, used to tell about an elderly lady who had many troubles. Uh, some of them are imaginary or some were real, and, and the family are trying to do everything they could. And finally, one of the grandchildren said to her, said, Grandma, we have done everything that we could do for you. Now the only thing left is for you to trust the Lord. And then there was a, a terror on her face and, uh, for a moment, and she said, Oh, dear, has it come to that? <laughs> well, it always comes to that. You better start with that. <laughs> and that's what the psalmist is doing here. He's starting with that. Historians tell us that this psalm, it is historically known as the psalm of ascent. Devout Jews would sing this song, sing the psalm, as they made their ways up to the highlands of Judean hills, where Jerusalem is. Back then, they only had kind of well-trodden paths across valleys and, and along the rivers and, and uh, over the mountain path. And I know that a couple of times at least that um, I sat there and looked up to that hill, and I imagined in my head about those pilgrims uh, 
who came traveling and how much they felt as they come from all over the land and have traveled long distance, how much they must have felt when they got there after they've been traveling for a long time, walking, of course, back then, and their muscles were aching and their feet were sore. And then they looked up and they saw Jerusalem. And as I looked up on that hill, and the, their destination is within sight, and they burst into this singing of this psalm, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. And if you examine the entire Scripture, you will realize that the Canaanites who worshipped false idols and false gods, they built their Asherah poles that you read about in the Bible on the hills and on the mountains. Often the Bible talks about that actually 78 times in the Old Testament about how these high places where the Canaanites were worshiping their false gods and, and where the pagans set their worship places. And uh, many times we read how God was angry and displeased with His own people for instead of going out there and destroying these idol-worshiping implements, uh, they joined them. And they would go to the temple on Saturday, but for the rest of the week they're worshiping the fertility gods of the Canaanites up on the hills. And the psalmist is saying, if he's saying anything to us, he is saying that when I looked up and I saw Jerusalem, my eyes went further to the heavens, to the God who made the mountains. My eyes went up further to the God who made the heaven and the earth, to the God of power and might. And beloved, listen to me. This is where our culture has gone astray. And uh, instead of admiring nature and then worshiping the God who created nature, we are worshiping nature itself. You don't believe me? Look up your kids' textbooks. Look at every movie that is coming out of Hollywood. And some may think this is new. This is something cute and new. It's not. Israel's constant temptation was that. Israel's constant temptation was forsaking the Creator of nature and worshiping nature itself. Their constant temptation. Their constant temptation was forsaking the God who flung the sun and the moon and the stars in their orbits, and they worshiped the sun and the stars and the moon. Forsaking the God who created the seasons, and they worshiped the seasons. Their constant temptation was forsaking the God who sent the rain and produced the crops, and worshiping the fertility gods. And the psalmist is rebuking these falsehoods, and he's saying, when I look up that hill, I see beyond these hills to the Maker of heaven and earth. When I look up that hill, I look all the way heavenward, and I see the stars. And at that moment, I realize that the God who made it all is my provider. The God who made them all is my protector. The God who made them all is my guardian. He is my all and all. Amen. Now, beloved, let me tell you something. We as Christians are a pilgrim. You're traveling. You're on a journey. I've never seen anybody go to a train station and camp there for life or, or got on a train and lived on it. But a lot of Christians are. They just sitting here, everything they do is for here, their eyes is down here, everything they do, they, they're camping in the train station. 
They're realizing they're on a train and we have a destination. And along our way in our journey as we travel this treacherous road called life, many of us are exhausted and need God's grace and need God's rest. Many of us are grieving over our nation, and we need God's sovereign intervention. Many of us are suffering physically and need His healing touch. Many of us are puzzled by our circumstances in which we find ourselves, and we need the Lord's direction. Many of us are anxious about the future, and we desperately need His assurance. Many of us are fearful of what's around the corner, and we need His guiding hands. Many of us are in need of His provision. Many of us are in sorrow and need His comfort. Many of us are in torn marriages and torn homes and need His healing hand. To that we all agree. And today many of us look up and see the government totally failing and disappoint us. We look up at science, which is proving its shortcomings. We look up and see medicine, which is showing its limitation. We look up and see family and friends and, and others who can do only so much. So where does our help come from? Where does our help come from? It comes from the one who said, let there be light, and then the moon and the star and the sun began to dance in their orbit. It comes from the one who flung these stars in the heavens. It comes from the one who dried up the Red Sea until his people went through, and then he closed it up again and drowned their enemies. It comes from the one who said to the River Jordan, stop for a time, and it stopped. It comes from the one who says to the tide of the sea, you can come so far, but not any further, unless by my permission, and it stops. It comes from the one who made the cripple walk again. It comes from the one who opened the blind eyes. It comes from the one who called that Lazarus stinking body in the tomb and said, come out, and he came right out of the grave. It comes from the one who on Friday hung on a cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, but then on Sunday morning he got up out of the grave with every power of his omnipotence. He's the only one. He's the only one who can meet our needs. Most of us know the nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's men and all the king's horses could not put Humpty Dumpty together again. You know why? Because Humpty Dumpty needs the king. Not the horses and not the men. Her need is for the king. And Humpty Dumpty needs only the king of kings. All the other things might be helpful, and I thank God for everything. But only God, the God of heaven and earth, the maker of heaven and earth, only He can meet our most desperate needs. And that is Him we should be going to. story told many years ago about an automobile. Back in the early days of automobiles, some of you might remember actually back then, <laughs> a guy was driving a Model T Ford and the car wouldn't start, and he tried everything possible. I mean, he was sweating. He was sweltering. He was trying everything there in the, in the engine, and he couldn't get it going. And, and out of frustration, an hour later, sure enough, a limousine, a chauffeur-driven limousine pulls in, and out of the back seat comes a wiry man, well-dressed, and he comes out, and he said, can I help you? I said, 
Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't think much about this guy. I mean, if I can't do it, how can you know what to do? And the guy said, go back in the seat and start the car. And he fiddled around with the engines, and the guy starts the car, and boy, it hummed. And he said, sir, how do you know what to do? I mean, I am a mechanic. I understand. He said, my name is Henry Ford. I designed this car. (laughs) I designed this car. Where does our help come from? It comes from our designer. He's the one who put your DNA together and all your genes together and put all your molecules together. He's your designer. Our help comes from our maker. It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. It comes from the one who nestled us in our mother's womb. He's the one who watches over his faithful children until we make it all the way home safely. He watches over us until the journey is over. And until then, he's keeping watch over his beloved children. But you must understand, see, that the gods of the Canaanites, these fertility gods that God's people always tempted to worship, when the vegetation dries up, they go away for an extended period of time. They had long vacations. They did. They were unionized. (laughs) They go off duties for weeks and months at a time. but not our God. And that's why he said in verse 4, he said, Our God never slumber nor sleep. He's saying our God never says, Whoops, how did this happen? (laughs) Our God never says, Whoa, I didn't see that one coming. (laughs) Our God never slumber nor sleep. One time they asked Alexander the Great, and they said to him, How can you sleep so soundly every night when you are surrounded by danger? You have so many people who want to kill you. He said, oh, I sleep well at night because my faithful guard, Paramino, he is watching over me. I said, wow, how much more should we sleep soundly knowing that our Maker, our God, the Creator of heaven and earth, is watching over His children. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Lord is your shade. The sun will not harm you by day, and the moon will not harm you by night. To understand this, You've got to understand that um, in the Middle East, in the summertime, July particularly, where I grew up, you can actually not stand a minute or two standing under the sun because the temperature could go up anything from 120 to 140 Fahrenheit. I mean, you talk about the heat of the sun. It's indescribable. Unless you've been there, you, you will not understand what I'm talking about. And under these circumstances, a shady spot, believe me, can be a lifesaver. And you're looking for some shade out of this miserable, brutal sun that beats on you so hard. Now, of course, I'm talking about back in the days of Noah, where I grew up over there, and that was before the day of global warming. (laughs) You see... The psalmist has said it was hot back then, too. (laughs) You want to buy the global warming? Buy it. Be my guest. (laughs) But listen, having personally suffered heat strokes twice, I cannot even describe it in words. I know what a heat stroke can do to a body. Standing under the sun and you get a sunstroke, a shade 
is so wonderful, is so great, it cannot even be described. And that's what the psalmist is saying. The Lord is that shade in the middle of the heat of the summer when the sun is beating on me, when life is beating me up. He is my shade. You say, what's about the moon? Well, people in the Old Testament believed that when there is a full moon, the luna, from which we get the word lunatic, (laughs) they believed that when the full moon is out, people did crazy things. Actually, there's some people still believe that. And the psalmist is not saying they're right or wrong. (laughs) He's just saying no matter what. He is saying that when you are under the Lord's shadow, neither the sun in the noon hour nor the full moon can harm you. Neither physically nor emotionally can you be harmed. Neither bodily nor psychologically can you be hurt. Neither by day nor by night. In fact, in ancient Arabia, they saw how the full moon can affect people. They used to terrify them. And of course, Satan exploited this to the hilt. So, out of being terrified of the moon, they worshiped the moon god. And, and the Arabs worshiped the moon god. In fact, some of that still continues in, in the subsequent times. The God who made the moon protect His own. The God who made the sun provides the shade. Verses 7 and 8. You see, God is not promising us that we will never, 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 never have problems. The <laughs> Bible never does that. He's not promising that we will never face trials in life and that we will face difficulties in life. doesn't say that. He's never promising that we will not face illnesses and sickness and disease. He doesn't say that. But that in the midst of it, God is going to be with us. He's going to walk with us when we call upon Him. And He's going to keep us safe in the middle of the difficulties until He calls us home. He's going to walk with us. You see, He never saved Daniel out of the den of lions. But He went in there ahead of him and zipped the mouths of those lions. He never kept Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace. But He went there and walked with them, and He turned that fiery furnace into a beautiful garden. That's what God does. And that is why a true child of God is neither blind to troubles, nor is he fearful of them. Amen? He's neither immune to stumbling and stubbing of their toes, nor are they terrified of trials. Why? Because our very breath is in His hands. He's in control of our very breath. And He promised never to leave us nor forsake us until He takes us all the way home. And when we see Him face to face, our troubles are going to be over. Jude, the brother of the Lord Jesus, was facing all sorts of difficulties and trials and tribulations and persecution. And yet, he could turn around and say, to Him who's able to keep you from falling until He presents you before His glorious presence without fault and great joy, to Him To the only God, our Savior, glory, majesty, power, authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. See, that's the testimony of those who truly love Jesus. The Apostle Paul, who endured more pain than a hundred men put together, he could confidently say in Romans 8, 35 to 39, 
who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution or famine, shall nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Listen to Dr. Youssef again at ltw.org. You can also hear all of his messages with the Leading the Way app or by subscribing to one of many podcasts. More information at ltw.org. Now, Leading the Way is more than an audio message on the radio or content on a podcast. Leading the Way is a growing global ministry impacting lives across six continents in 28 of the most spoken and understood languages in the world. One outreach that's grown, especially in recent years, is Leading the Way Navigators. These are little solar-powered MP3 players loaded with life-changing messages, navigating people toward the gospel, and then encouraging daily spirit-filled living as a follower of Christ. Leading the Way teams continue to distribute these navigators worldwide, many in prisons where inmates have shared, although their freedoms on earth are lost, they're finding freedom in Christ. So know that when you support Leading the Way, you help fund projects like Leading the Way Navigators, as well as content in your community and beyond. In a world so desperately in need of truth and hope, Leading the Way is meeting the challenge. Through our Vision 2025 campaign, we are witnessing dramatic impact across the world. By focusing on seven strategic ministry initiatives, Leading the Way is reaching its goal to bring the gospel to millions of people. As a part of this global initiative, we are expanding the distribution of our navigator devices and creating new devices optimized for unreached people. These pocket-sized solar power devices each contain 150 biblically-based messages from Dr. Yusuf, as well as the New Testament in the local language. Rugged, durable, and powered by the sun, Navigator devices are reaching remote regions where key infrastructure, like electricity, is limited. Pocket-sized and easily concealable, these devices are reaching into restricted regions where access to the gospel is minimal or even forbidden. These pocket missionaries are going where others can't go. Since the launch of Vision 2025, Leading the Way has distributed Navigator devices in over 40 countries. Recent countries include Nigeria, Tanzania, Côte d'Ivoire, Benin, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Indonesia, and Sierra Leone. In addition to expanded distribution, we are also leveraging new technology to meet specific needs. Our Navigator line now includes two new devices, each suited to better reach unreached people. These new devices now feature three times the biblical content, enhanced durability, and a more powerful speaker. Through Leading the Way's Navigator devices, we are taking the Great Commission seriously, reaching into places that are hard to reach by normal means. As a key part of Vision 2025, it is Leading the Way's goal to distribute over 100,000 Navigator devices into the hardest-to-reach places in the world. 
To learn more, contact us today. Learn ways that you can stand with Dr. Youssef. Speak with one of our representatives in the Ministry Call Center. The number is 866-626-4356 and online at ltw.org, ltw.org. Or you can always write to us. We love getting your letters. Tell us what this ministry means to you. We're at Leading the Way, Post Office Box 20100, Atlanta, Georgia, 30325. That's Post Office Box 20100, Atlanta, Georgia, 30325. Well, it's time for me to say goodbye. Thank you for being with us today, and I hope you'll make plans to join Dr. Michael Youssef for more Leading the Way. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect with us through our YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, and all of our social media networks.